I'm up here to continue the series that we had, have started a few weeks back. And even last week, I was here talking to you about love. And the whole title of our series is Love Needs a Rebrand. And I'm convinced that love is one of them crazy, like it's a real crazy word in our language because we say we love everything. Like, I personally love over white shakes. I do. I'm going to be big as a house if I keep playing around with them. Because every time I drive past Gurney, I find my way to Overweiss. I love playing basketball. I hear people say they love the Chicago Bears. I hear unsaved people say they love the Packers. <laughs> I'm sorry, tech people. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. I'm sorry. Katie, don't go. <laughs> Half, a, half, more than half of my tech team is uh, Packer fans. I don't know why, but I, I love them anyhow. This is the church that loves everybody, right? <laughs> but we say we love a lot of stuff. I love my dog. I love my job. I love my car. I love my house. I love when the stars are out. I love going to the beach. We say we love. I love my spouse. And you know your love for your spouse is probably very different than my love for overwhite shakes. It should be. But we say love and we throw that word around so often. But do we really take the time to recognize what that means and what that should look like? So we want to continue that conversation this week, jumping back into Paul dealing with this church in the city of Corinth. Now, the city of Corinth was a major trade center. And you might not know a whole lot about it, but this was a place where all the cultures, all the races, all the nationalities, all the different types of people, all the different types of skills, all of those came into this major hub of trade. Anything you wanted to do, wanted to find, wanted to buy, wanted to try, wanted to get into, you could find it in Corinth. Corinth was like our modern day Las Vegas. Sin city. <laughs> and if you want to sin, come to this city. <laughs> That was Corinth. Whatever you wanted to do, somebody there had it for you. And it's in places like that that Paul decided, I'm going to plant a church. Because, see, it does no good for us as a church to always be the light where light is. We, as the light, should be taking our lights into places where it is dark. Absolutely. It does us no good to hide out in this building and only talk and preach Christ to folks that already know him. Does that make sense? So Paul is taking the church. He is planting churches in the places where sin abounds so that grace can much more abound. And it was in this type of atmosphere that the church of Corinth was started. Now, Paul stayed there with them for like 18 months, getting everything set up, getting leadership in place, preparing them to continue taking the gospel throughout this city. He has it all running. He leaves and he starts getting some letters. The people of Corinth that are in the city, we know they do a bunch of wild and crazy stuff. The problem is when the church start reflecting exactly what's going on in the city. Because see, you really want it to be the other way around. When the church is impacting the city so that the city starts looking more like the church. But that wasn't the case in Corinth. Paul is hearing about all type of craziness, all types of things that are happening. And what we don't want is for our church here, Beach Park. We don't want to become the type of church Corinth was heading towards being. Anybody here ever heard the phrase bootleg? <laughs> we don't want to be a bootleg church. 
Now, for those that maybe don't understand the bootleg, let me break it down for you real quick. The definition of bootleg is when you copy something or imitate something without the express permission of the originator, and then you distribute your copy outside of their legal authority. Let me help you break it down even further. My aunt had a bootleg man. Now, some of y'all think I'm talking about the man himself. Let me help, let me, let me help you, help me, help you. I'm gonna take you to North Chicago real quick, okay? So, now, this wasn't yesterday, this was a while back, y'all. So look, this was a little bit ago. Anybody remember something called DVDs? <laughs> I gotta talk, because I know some of, some of our young, young folks like, DVDs, like, like that little circle thing? Yes, DVDs. And when that was real popular when I was a teenager. Now, you know, stuff can change, y'all. I get up here sometimes and I talk about, you know, if I talk about cassette tapes, folks like, huh, what's that? You talk to teenagers about cassette tapes, they be like, what's a cassette tape? And don't let me say 45. They be like, you talking about a gun? No. <laughs> no, I talking about no gun, I'm talking about a disc. <laughs> you really want to mess them up, tell them about the A-track. I found my mother's A-tracks one time. I thought I hit the mother load on video games. <laughs> You've been holding out on me the whole time? Boy, that is music. Really? <laughs> so DVDs, when they was hot and popular, here's the thing. The movie theater has always cost more than it should, in my opinion. Not just the movie, the food specifically. So if you are in a family and, you know, my parents, my mom might want to take us all to the movies. Well, you know what? If you going and your sister going and your cousin going, it's going to be about $10 a person, and then you're going to spend $45 on food at the movie theater. Well, what happened was people got tired of paying all that money, so they would find the bootleg man. The bootleg man walked around town with a big black case, and he had every movie under the sun in his case. Now, his movies did not have a nice picture on the front. They did not come in a box. They came in a little white envelope. The name of the movie was written on it in marker. <laughs> you go see, you want The Lion King? It's written, The Lion King. It might be misspelled, whatever. You knew what movie it was. She had the bootleg man's phone number. And you could typically find him by simply going to your local barbershop. He would hand you a card. Now his card was legit, his movies wasn't. <laughs> He would answer any time of night, it didn't matter what you wanted, he would tell you where to meet him. He had whatever movie you wanted to see. Now when you went to get the movie from the bootleg man, there's some things you should know. When you bring that thing home, you might want to check it before you let everybody watch it. You watch it at your own risk, okay? So you happy, you got the brand new Lion King movie, all your kids is there. Matter of fact, you so confident you didn't invite all of the children from the neighborhood. Y'all come on in, we all watching the Lion King. You take that DVD out with that little jacked up writing on it. You put it in your DVD player, everybody's all excited. And then you realize that the movie comes on and you gotta tilt yourself this way <laughs> because the screen is leading. Or you had a times when a piece of the jacket is covering the camcorder. And you wonder why you can only see a third of the film. Or the sound drops out 45 minutes into the movie. People are walking past the screen. Folks are laughing. The brother got to get up and move because he ain't supposed to be in there. He in the wrong seat. I've seen every type of wrong bootleg. What language is this? 
Did you get that movie that it was supposed to be in English, but he gave you the Espanol copy? The bootleg man. Why is it bootleg? Well, I gave you the definition because this movie is a copy. It's an imitation. Disney didn't put their name on this. This man has released it on his own, not under Disney's authority. Disney did not quality check this release. Because if they did, they would have made sure the screen was straight. They would have made sure the sound was good. They would have made sure you could understand everything being said because they're the originator of the movie. They have a vested interest in their product being seen a certain way when you get a hold of it. That's why it costs $13 to go to the movies as opposed to $5 at the bootleg man. When you get a jacked up movie like we would, we couldn't get mad at Disney. What am I mad at Disney for? Disney, look at this. Look at this mess. Disney like, no, I didn't have nothing to do with that. You went outside of what I authorized. You went outside of our process and you partook of something that we did not authorize. So in that case, you get what you get. Well, what was happening in Corinth is what happens to a lot of us. We end up at bootleg churches. We end up at churches that have not been authorized to release the product by the originator. People who are distributing the gospel without the quality control check of the Holy Spirit. And then we get hurt and we get injured and we get mad and we get angry at God. And God is sitting up there scratching his head like, hey, I didn't authorize that. Hey, I didn't tell them to start that church. Hey, that's not what my Bible says. Hey, that's not the life that Jesus lived. Why did you think that what he was doing was lining up with Christ? We have to be careful not to get caught up in bootleg situations because we have to be smart enough to understand that what the Bible says is what we need to chase after. And anything outside of that has not been authorized by we allow ourselves to get hurt again with people who claim to love us. We wonder why we go to the church and when you sit down, you realize the screen's a little crooked. And the lives are leaning a direction that maybe don't line up when you look at leadership. We all here, we hold each other accountable. Your, the leadership team here holds me accountable. We cannot be a bootleg church. We cannot be a cheap copy. We cannot just be an unauthorized imitation. We have to be authentic. There's a reason authenticity costs more. More goes into it. It's easy just to say you love Christ. It's hard to live it. It's easy to say, oh, I love Jesus. I love everybody. When push comes to shove, do you really? Can people see it? Can they feel it? So what happened here is Corinth starts heading down this path and Paul is seeing it and he writes them this letter because he's seeing the signs that tell him you are not operating in an authorized manner. You're distributing the love of Christ in a way that does not reflect the originator. How do you recognize these things? What do they look like? Well, within a church body, let's use the church of Corinth as really an example. The first thing that you see are angry divisions within the church. You see people taking sides. 
And not only are they taking sides, they expect you to take a side. Hey, what do you think about such and such? You better be careful. That's a, that's a dangerous question. I've heard of some of the craziest splits in my life. I've heard of churches that split over carpet colors. I've seen problems within ministries where pastors just get mad and tired of whatever they feel like they're supposed to have and they don't have it. So they leave and start their own. I've seen divorces happen. And then out of the divorce, one person leaves and goes starts a brand new church. And I'm just like, what kind of that's what we want to base the foundation on. And what really scares me is I see people follow them. And then two years later, they wonder why things don't work. And things haven't stuck because there are angry divisions. And when you build things out of anger, out of insecurity, out of fear, out of selfish desires that don't reflect God, what you put in is what you get out. Amen. They had arguments and quarrels. People were having affairs and sleeping around with everybody. You had Problems and fights and marriages. Husbands weren't good husbands. They were being selfish and prideful. You had wives who refused, refused to respect any type of authority. This is why Paul wrote specifically to the Corinthians. Can I break up a couple of things that have been taught that probably should have been taught better? I've been to some churches where you see the little small podium on the side for women. Or I've heard of churches where women are not allowed to speak, preach, teach. Because Paul says, and they would always quote that, that women should be silent. But Paul was talking to the women in Corinth who was having a problem with being silent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There were times with me when we was growing up, me and my sister, uh, she would get, my sister loved getting whoopings. I don't understand. I just, <laughs> my God, I was like, something is wrong with you. Like, this woman crazy. She will whoop you every single day and you like it. <laughs> I learned a lot of stuff not to do by watching her. So there was times my sister would do dumb stuff. You know what I'm saying? And there was stuff that my mom would say to her and she meant it, but it didn't apply to me because I wasn't the one doing that crazy stuff. You got to understand that parts of the Bible, there are times when God is speaking collectively. There are times when Paul is speaking to everybody. And there's some times when there are specific things being said to specific people. And in Corinthians, Paul is very serious about the problems they are having with out of control people, leadership, men and women. And he addressed all of them. But when you hear that message and that word, women should be silent in the church. You know what? It's comical to me that women can talk and teach everywhere else but in the church, though, right? <laughs> women are teachers. They are running businesses. They are CEOs. They are holding down all type of stuff. You can go to anywhere you want to go and be taught by a woman except at the church. That makes all the sense in the world. Oh, Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. So Paul is talking to Corinth and dealing with the issues they have. Those that were in leadership here was the big problem. And this is where myself and our leadership team here, those leaders weren't saying anything about what was happening. Second Corinthians, Paul writes a letter. I think it's chapter five. There's a man in there that's sleeping with his dad's wife. And ain't nobody saying nothing. And Paul is like, what's wrong with y'all? You're not going to say nothing. Oh, you're just going to let this ride. You, you're not going to call out any of this? Right. And they did apparently what people today do. 
you can't judge me. Oh, that's a dangerous phrase, you guys. So Paul clarifies in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he starts talking to them like, hey, 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 hold on, time out. No, we who are Christians and claim to be followers of this Bible have the right to judge each other according to the word. Where if I as a pastor am doing stuff that doesn't align with this Bible, you better judge me. You better hold me accountable. You better be like, Pastor Jay, that ain't biblical. And quit following me if I won't stop. There are some things that Paul was telling them like, hey, you got to say something. Paul is so cold. He said, hey, you know what you need to do? Put him out the church and give him to the devil for a while. He said, let the devil have him. So maybe his soul can be saved. But by the time Satan threw messing with him, he'll be happy to be in the church doing the right. Because he say he's saved. Then Paul clarified another statement. We got that. Oh, I'm hitting all the church phrases today. You are in the world, but not of it. And we try to stay out of it. <laughs> and we don't want to live in it. But you got to live in the world. Well, I can't be around them folks. I can't be around people that cuss. I can't be around people that drink. I can't be around none of that. No, the Bible said be holy. Yes, you be holy. Y'all be acting like beer going to jump down your throat if you just sit next to it. I ain't never once went out and hung out with my friends and they ordered beer and it ended up in my mouth. That ain't never happened. I ain't never seen the can just jump up. You going to drink me today? That don't happen. We be scared. Like, y'all church folks be killing me sometimes. No, don't you take that picture. Wait, ah. Because it's a beer can in the picture? Okay, I know, because they'll excommunicate you. I got it. No, Paul told his people in 2 Corinthians, again, a church that was living outside of the love of God. He told them, hey, I know I told you that you shouldn't fellowship with people that are immoral, people that sleep around, folks that talk against God's word and don't live a life according to what he teaches. And then he clarified. He said, but I did not mean the world. He said, I was talking about Christians who claim they believe in Christ and follow God's word. If they're living immoral, you shouldn't even sit and eat with them. Paul was petty. He said, if you're going to get away from everybody doing anything, you're going to have to leave earth. Check it out. That's what he tells them. You would have to leave the world to accomplish what y'all trying to do. So church folks, if you're in here, I know we don't have a whole lot of them, but we probably have a few. Don't be so saved that you can't help nobody else get saved. You heard that phrase, don't be so heavenly minded, you ain't no earthly good. <laughs> Take y'all way back on that one. So this is what Paul is seeing. He's seeing these problems and he's seeing a large gap in sacrificial love. A love that says that your needs are more important than mine. That says, I see that you're struggling with this, so I'm going to help you instead of leave you. I'm going to walk you through this instead of give up on you. Instead of talking about you, I'm going to talk to you. Sacrificial love. So I don't think I have to convince you that we as the church here in America, we've got a bit of a problem with love. I want to show you the top three reasons people don't go to church. Let me show you this. The people are judgmental and hypocritical. That will preach by itself. You know what? The best thing that I've ever come across from pastors and teachers and people that love God, when they let me know their life is not perfect and that they still struggle. 
and they still have a hard time and there's still things they're working through and things that they haven't gotten right yet. It makes me feel a whole lot better about life. And when you're open and transparent like that, it's a lot harder for people to see you as hypocritical. Because they realize, I'm a person too. I got the same problems y'all got. I'm just on the stage talking about mine. That's it. That's the only difference. So we have no reason to be judgmental from that standpoint. Now, again, going back to Paul, if you claim to be a Christ follower and you sleeping with everything walking, I'm going to talk about you to you. Because as a Christian, as a believer, you are not representing my king well. And I have the right and I have the authority to at least call you out biblically and say, hey, that don't line up. My doubts and questions are not welcome. Y'all, I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of stuff about the Bible I don't get, I don't understand. A lot of stuff about God that don't make sense to me. I was talking to a lady Wednesday and we were just asking each other questions that we ain't got no answers to. Things that one day I pray I can ask God about. That I can ask Jesus, why? Why did this happen? Why was that important? Why does the blood mean everything? I don't, hey, I'm, I got questions. And sometimes as a church, you know what the best answer you can give? I don't know. I don't have to make up something because I'm a pastor. I don't know. Pastor Jay, you don't know? Not a clue. I want to know too. When you find out, tell me. <laughs> I got questions. But I'm betting this life on the opportunity to ask Jesus those questions. Now, I told y'all before. If I die and I get reincarnated as a dog, I'm biting everybody. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to just tell you right now. It's going to be the shortest life of a dog ever. Because the minute I figure out how to walk, run, and bite, I'm chewing everything, everybody. There's a whole lot of dirt I did not do in this life. I'm doing it in the next one. I'm doing all of it. <laughs> I'm passing up on a lot of stuff. Because I believe that what we're doing is right and that there's a reward behind it. Amen? I don't have 100% faith in that because I haven't seen it. That's why it's called faith. And the evidence of my faith is the life that I live. My doubts and questions? As a church, we should be the first ones trying to ask questions and welcome people with their doubts and their fears. We're trying to sell something to people that we can't physically give them a product for. I need Jesus himself to show up in your life for you to understand that he's real. I can tell you about it all I want, but I can't put something in your hand and say, this is him. This is what he looks like. People have doubts. Some of us that have been saved for a long time still have some doubts. And that's okay. We have to allow people to bring those to the house of God. I don't feel welcome and I can't find community. These are the three top things. This last one breaks my heart. How do you come to the church and not feel welcomed? Oh, I've been to some. Oh, I know what it feels like. Oh, I know. I love the volunteers we have here. For that reason, I already know. By the time I hit the stage, I'm one of the last people you've seen. If it's your first time here, you have never seen me. You didn't see me nowhere else until I hit the stage. But hopefully, you've been loved on well all the way up to this point. Because we've got some amazing greeters who hang out and just love on folks as they're coming through the door. We got people at the doors. You got folks back here at the sound. Sylvia got the music bumping for you when you come in. 
My man Jim is over there hanging out in the cafe today, loving on folks, giving them coffee. You should be loved well. And every, every single position that we have here at this church, every role, every volunteer is important to show love. If any one of us mess it up, we mess it up for all of us. There's nothing I can get up here and say. If you wasn't loved well today and folks mistreated you and slammed the door in your face and you asked what you of the church was and they just pointed and didn't say nothing else, I'd get up here and preach the heaven down and you'd be like, them folks, terrible. Right. Or the opposite, which I've seen, where the people do love well, but the pastor mean. <laughs> don't have time for nobody. Can't spend no time talking. Don't want to have no conversations. Walk in, walk out. And you're like, yeah, them people kind of nice, but what's wrong with him? Pastor's wife can't treat nobody good. We're trying not to be that church here. Because we believe what God has called us to is to represent his form of love and not our own. Amen? Amen. Amen. So going all the way back to 1 Corinthians, Paul sees these and he basically said, I, I have a blueprint for you. And it's funny to me how if we just followed what the Bible told us, we would avoid so many problems. Paul wrote this stuff years ago. Let's jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 31 is where it starts. It says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Chapter 13, verse 1, he says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Paul is telling them that they have prioritized the wrong Understand, there's nothing wrong with these other things. These other things are necessary. They're needed. We need the prophetic. We need more pastors. We need evangelists. We need people who can lay hands. We need people who have gifts in every area. But Paul says that's great that you do all of these, but if you do them at the, the impact of losing love, you've done nothing. You've got to have both or just love. Because if you have to pick between being prophetic and loving people, he says, choose love. If they pick between being able to heal any person or loving them, he says, put the healing down and love people. He says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Because this church in Corinth was one of the most amazing churches when it came to the usage of the gifts of God. But they were missing his heart. It is here in verse 4. Paul begins explaining to them what agape love is. And these are the verses that we went through last week where he says love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. Then he puts it on him and basically drops the mic. He says in verse 8, prophecy and speaking in tongues and special knowledge will become useless. Mm, wait, what? 
will become useless, but love will last forever. He says, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. At some point, Paul is saying when Jesus returns, we won't even need these things. These things just give us a glimpse. They give us a piece of the puzzle. All the things that we focus on that we feel are so important. Yes, I went to school. I, I went and studied to learn how to be a pastor. That's wonderful. Paul says at some point that's going to cease. There are churches who have programs for those that have a prophetic gift. Yes, get trained so that you can operate well. But understand that that gift will eventually go away. Special knowledge, being able to speak into someone's life of things that you don't know anything about because God just revealed it to you. At some point, that's going to go away. That will become useless. When Jesus returns and sets this world the way it should be, the way it always was meant to be, we will no longer need those things. 